Let me show you a picture today. Throw up that uh, first picture uh, real quick. Uh, this is a picture of land that Ryan Holmes is going to be building me and my family a new home in Jesus' name. Okay? Thank the Lord for Ryan Holmes. They make buying a home affordable in Jesus' name. And kind of tough in Westchester, Liberty. and uh, So we are building a new home in Franklin, Ohio. Hey, yeah, yeah, I know. It's my Franklin crew. Love it. It's a great, great season. Now, a few, about a week ago, August 9th or a couple weeks ago now, math gets off. Me and Jess celebrated 15 years of marriage, okay? I'm like, that's a long time, people. It's a long time. Now, over the 15 years that we've been married, we have never owned a home. Like, never. We have rented homes. We have rented apartments. We've lived in apartments with blue carpets, you know, We've lived in homes that had lots of bugs in them, and we had to try to get rid of the bugs. We have lived in all kinds of different places and cities and towns and areas because when me and Jess got married, we said, Lord, we'll do whatever you want. We'll go wherever you want. We'll do your will. And so God took us places. He took us to Mississippi for a couple years. Lord knew I wasn't buying a house in Mississippi, okay? I was looking for a one-way bus out of there, okay? Went to Michigan, there for about nine years. Got close to purchasing a home. I mean, really, really, really close. And then one day the Lord woke me up out of my sleep and told me emphatically, do not buy this house. This is not my will. This is not my desire. Called him up that day, said, sorry, we're out. We're not going down this road. Literally a couple months later, the housing market crash happened. Thank God. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord for wisdom. Moved to Dayton. Never forget my first Sunday at Living Word Church, my very first Sunday. Pastor Pat would always walk in from the side for worship. He walked in. He shook my hand. He hugged me. He said, Jeff, I'm so excited you're here in this season of our church. And he left. And as soon as he left, the Holy Spirit said, don't get used to this. This is only a pit stop. This is only a moment. You're only going to be here for a couple years, and we're going to go on. And I was like, okay, God, this is like my first day, you know, like first day on the job, you know. So we've always been incredibly patient and willing to go, Lord, in your timing, in your season, we know that you'll take good care of your faithful servants. Amen. God is always super good at doing that. But the interesting thing about leasing and renting, I'm going to turn this off because it is just annoying the junk out of me right now. I'm sorry. No, oh, Jesus. Jesus help us. Oh. Thank the God for a new building that has air conditioning. Oh. Jesus help us, help us, help us. But the interesting thing about renting is this. You don't own it. And because you don't own it, you don't care about it. You know what I mean? You ding the wall, you're like, ah, somebody else will fix it. You know what I mean? Something breaks, you're like, ah, somebody else will fix it. And now one of the things about not owning a home was that 
I did not care about my yard, okay? My yard was 100% weed city, okay? I don't know if you've ever had one of those yards before where there's like two blades of grass in your yard and the rest of the yard is just a combination of every kind of weed on planet Earth to make up your yard. This was always my yard, okay? Now, the Lord would always speak to me and say, Jeff, treat the yard, meaning call up True Green, call up Oasis, call up somebody, come have them come treat the yard. And I would always go, guys, it's $60 a month. Ain't nobody got time to pay $60 a month for some grass. I'm just going to cut it as low as I possibly can and then deal with it 10 days later. You know what I mean? Isn't that the truth? Now, let me get on the soapbox for a second. Grass and gasoline, they're like the devil himself, okay? All right? You fill up your car, and you know, though, that like four days later, you're going to be right back at the same place putting gas in your car, you know? Or you mow your grass, and you know like four days later, five days later, what are you going to be doing? Cutting the grass again, okay? This is the thorn in my flesh. Paul talked about thorn. This is my thorn, okay? So God would talk to me about cutting my grass, or not cutting my grass, but treating the grass. So what did, what, what did I do? I half obeyed. Anybody ever half obeyed before, okay? Like God speaks something to your heart, and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to pay $60, so I'll go to Lowe's, and I'll buy the stuff that you can, like, treat your own grass. Now, Doug swears by this, okay? All right? Doug swears that it works, okay? I think he's a liar, okay? Now, his yard looks great, okay? I think secretly he's treating it with true green, okay? But I can tell you this, it never worked for a second for me, okay? I actually think the weeds revolted against me and grew more and thicker and harder and said, no, in Jesus' name, he told you to treat us, okay? And not with this stuff, okay? So I half obeyed the Lord. And so we leave Troy and we moved here. And so for years, God has been telling me to treat the grass at these rentals. Now, I would tell Jess this, and Jess would go, absolutely not. Are you serious? We're not wasting our money on some rental house. We're not. No, 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 no. So for years, God speaks to me, speaks to me, speaks to me. We get down here to Cincinnati. We get to our new house. Again, it is Weed City. Now, the rough part was that both of my neighbors were getting their yards treated, okay? So now I'm the guy that they would come out and kind of give me the stink eye. You know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with you? Our yard's looking nice, his yard's looking nice, look at Weed City, you know what I mean? So I'm like every day pulling up to my house, and the voice of the Lord is getting louder and louder and louder. He goes, treat the grass, treat the grass, treat the grass, treat the grass. And I'm like, no, 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 it's $60. I don't want to pay $60. We don't even have $60 to our name right now, God. Did you see my bank account? It was like $5 in my bank account, okay? No, we're not doing this. And one day I'm out there, and I'm cutting grass. And the Holy Spirit says this to my heart. He says this. He said, that's my grass. I'm just letting you borrow it. Mm, let that sink in for a second. He said, that's my grass. I'm just letting you borrow it. I want my grass to look beautiful for me, it's not for you, it's not for your neighbors, it's because I planted that grass, I created the earth, 
that's my grass. I'm letting you borrow that grass. It's mine, and I want it to look beautiful for me. He went on to go, listen, I've asked you multiple times over multiple years to be obedient, and you've been disobedient to me. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit says, don't you think I can bring you 60 more measly dollars to your bank account to take care of what I'm asking you to take care of? Because isn't God the one that has to provide for what he's asking you to do? So what did I do? Well, I had my Oprah moment, my aha moment, okay? And I said, all right, I'll do it. So I called up True Green and got the grass tree. So here, picture, nice picture, okay? No, 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 next picture, next one, next one. Ah, ah, that picture, okay? So there's my house, okay? Looks nice, doesn't it? Green, it's lush. There's not things that poke you in the feet when you walk on it, you know what I mean? It's actually like thick, it's actually like real grass, okay? Now, the truth is, like I said, I hate cutting grass, okay? So in the spring, it rained a lot, okay? In the spring, it rained a lot. And so it was like every three to four days, I need to cut the grass. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking like, why doesn't Michael cut the grass? Yeah, why doesn't Michael cut the grass, okay? <laughs> right? Can I get an amen from somebody on that, okay? It's because he's like allergy city, okay? And he would be in the hospital if he cut the grass. I know now you're all like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. He's good, okay? So in the spring, I'm like, no way I'm cutting the grass like every three days. Like, I am way too busy for this. So I would, like, go, like, six, seven, you know what I mean, where it starts to get that, like, jungly look, you know what I mean? You're like, ah, oh, there was a tiger in there, you know? So, so I would cut the grass, and then it would shoot out, like, big clumps into the yard, and I didn't think anything of it, okay? So that's spring. Now summer comes, and Mr. Sun comes out, and he starts baking the grass, right? Amen. And so the grass starts to get baked, and then the clumps are on top of the grass. That grass is getting burnt, and what's happening underneath it? Next picture. It's burning holes in the grass, okay? So I'm cutting my grass a few weeks ago, and I'm seeing this. And now I'm upset that I have this. Who am I now? You know, I'm like a hypocrite now that I'm like upset that my grass doesn't look good, okay? And I'm looking at this, and... The Holy Spirit, and I know, I said, I said to myself, thank God I learned this now. I won't do this at my new house. And the Holy Spirit said, exactly, it was practice grass. And I was like, practice grass? He said, practice grass. Okay, I know you're like, what is happening right now? He said, it's practice grass, okay? I, listen, I promise you, this is the Holy Spirit. He said, it was practice grass. And this is what he said. He said, I've always desired to give you a home. I've actually desired to give you a church with property. I've always desired to give you more, Jeff, but I needed to know that you were going to be a good steward of what I gave you. He said, I needed to know that you would be faithful in the little things before I could give you more. And this always happens with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us. He's revealing truth to us. He's letting us know about things of the future. And we go, no, nah, I don't got time for that. I don't really like what you're saying. I don't really want to do that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really, really feeling that. Why? Because it's not a big deal to us. See, 
the grass wasn't a big deal to me. But it was a big deal to God. Now, I want to make a balancing statement. I am not going to come to your house someday and be like, what's up with your grass? You know what I mean? Isn't the Holy Spirit talking to you about your grass? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you do with your yard, okay? I don't care if it's a massive jungle. That's up to you, okay? No, I really do. No, I'm not joking. But the reality is this. God cares about what we care, what he cares about. Why? Because he wants to get us more. His whole intention is to get you more. His whole intention is to go, I want to bless you. I want to favor you. I want to increase your territory. I want to increase your influence. I want to increase your influence at your job. If some of you would just be more faithful at your job, you would get promotions and raises, and God would be able to financially bless you. Woo. God's just looking. Go with me. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look through a bunch of verses today, and we're going to work through it. Matthew 25, if you don't have your Bible, have it on the screen for you. Verse 14 says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man that went on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted them with money to them while he was gone. What is this story about? This story is about Jesus. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to pull all my servants together. I'm going to bless them with talents. I'm going to bless them with ability. I'm going to bless them with grace. I'm going to bless their hands. I'm going to give them talents and abilities and the ability to love. And I'm going to give them time and energy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them. But then guess what? I'm going to go away on a long trip. So where are we at in the church age right now? Jesus is still away on a long trip. Correct? But he said, I'm going to come back. Verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one. Two bags of silver to another one, and one bag of silver last to the last one. He divided the portions based on their ability. You need to underline that in your Bible. You need to write that in your notes. He portioned it out based upon their ability. Then he left on his trip. Okay? Point number one is this. God is not a socialist. God is a capitalist. God is not a socialist. God is a capitalist. We all think that if Jesus came to earth today, that he would go, we're going to make everything equal, and we're going to make everything fair. We're going to just level the playing ground. We're going to put everybody on the same playing ground. We're going to make sure that everybody is equally treated perfectly. We're going to make sure that everybody has the same amount of money, the same health care. We're going to make sure that everybody has the same amount of bank account. We're going to make sure everybody drives the same cars. We're going to make everything equal and fair and balanced. And the truth is, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. God is not a socialist, God is a capitalist, but what is God really? God is the God of equal opportunity. That's what God is saying. He's saying, listen, I gave opportunity to each one of them. Now, I understand this really clear in my life. I'm the guy that grew up with dyslexia, okay? I'm the guy that grew up in a broken home. I'm the guy that did not go to college. I am the guy that grew up hustling and fighting for every single thing I had. 
I'm the guy that lived on the wrong side of town. I had every single thing you could possibly think of going against me. I should 100% be some kind of stat in America. Amen? But what did God give me? He gave me equal opportunity. Just like he gives you equal opportunity. He gave me gifts. He gave me talents. He gave me ability. He gave me love. He gave me energy. He gave me time. The same things that he gives to us. He gave us all the opportunity to come boldly to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need your grace. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to submit my life to your word, to your truth, and I'm going to have you establish my life. He's a God of equal opportunity. But the funny thing is, in our lives, in the world that we live in, isn't it funny how we're just always looking at what everybody else has? Right? Why they get a new car and I didn't? Why they get a raise and I didn't? Why they get a promotion? We're the most cynical, judgmental generation on planet earth and people are unhappy the level of joy has decreased i mean this this is not i'm not making this up i mean cnn talks about this all the time joy happiness peace grace that we have for one another it's all declining all declining all declining why because we're constantly looking on our phones constantly looking at what somebody else has constantly comparing constantly judging constantly wondering when god's going to level the playing field and the whole time the holy spirit's like hey i gave you gifts i gave you talents i gave you abilities i gave you time i gave you energy i gave you love i gave you opportunity what are you doing with the opportunity that i've invested in you verse 16 the servant who received five bags of silver, uh, the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five times more. Look at your neighbor and say five times more, okay? Say five times more, five times more, okay? Now, let me brag on my amazing wife for a second, okay? When we were in Michigan for nine years, she was the worship leader to start at our youth ministry. Okay, and trust me, we, we would have been better off if she would have just stood on the stage and sang herself with the talent level that we had when we first started, okay? We had, we had this one kid, he played, um, he played screamo music, and he wanted to, like, play drop D worship, you know? We had another kid that played the bass, and I'm pretty sure he was high every time he came to practice, okay? I mean... We had this kid named Jake. I mean, I, I think I bought new drum heads like every two weeks. He beat those things so stinking hard, okay? And Jess loved them, and she believed in them, and she worked with them, and worked with them, and worked with them. Because the culture of worship we have here is the same culture we had in our youth ministry. I promise you. Now, Jess is faithful with that team. But Jess is always also faithful to do her job. And at Valley, for every main service, we had a junior high service, okay? Now, about three months into my new job of being the high school pastor, I catch the junior high guy in an affair. So we fire him, okay? I become the junior high pastor. So now there are four junior 
five services every weekend, two on Saturday, two on Sunday morning, and we have high school service on Sunday night. So five times a weekend, Jess is leading worship in our church, okay? Five times, okay? And I'm telling you, we're not talking about glamorous moments. I'm talking about, what is it like? We started at 8.30, like church started at 8.30, the first service. Eight services at 8.30. Can you imagine seventh graders at 8.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, okay? Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, come on. They're, they're, I mean, we're singing, what was, um, uh, what was our song we did all the time? Um, the Stand. I'll stand, you know, and we're singing, I'll stand, and Jess is singing it with passion and heart, and we're going to stand for Jesus, and this, these kids are like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll stand, you know, and, or, you know, one kid would be like, I'll stand, you know, I mean, five times a weekend, she went on every retreat, she was at every year at camp. I remember the year that she was pregnant with Ben. She's seven months pregnant. We're at camp. There's not a lick of air conditioning in that camp, okay? We have 450 kids at camp packed into this sanctuary with zero air. It's about 100 degrees in there. She is seven months pregnant, and she is leading worship three times a day, three services a day. Year four that we're there, our pastors come to the church, or come to the youth group. They realize the worship culture we have in the, in the youth ministry. They go, we want that in the main service. The next week, they fire their two worship leaders that they have, and they fire the band, okay? They take Jess and our youth worship team and make them the main service worship team. A church of 4,000, 4,000. So now Jess is doing worship for the main church. She's doing worship for the youth church. She's doing worship on Sunday night for the high school church. She is the whole entire church leader. And the whole time, for nine years, she didn't make one stinking penny. She didn't get one paycheck. Not one. Not one. Pretty sure she returned five times more back to the Lord. Amen. I'll never forget it's about year five. We're in Michigan. We have two boys now. Things are tight. She's basically living a full-time job at the church, not getting paid anything. I'm working at a church. We're making that thing together, $38,000. That was my salary, okay? Didn't go far, especially in Kalamazoo, Michigan, okay? It's the west side of Michigan. It ain't the poor side of Michigan, okay? $38,000 isn't going very far. I get a call from one of my leaders that's on my leadership team. She works for a company called Stryker. They make medical supplies, okay? They, I mean, every bed in America that's in a hospital, Stryker bed, okay? And she calls me up, and she's the head of sales. She makes... She makes, I think, $280,000 a year. She calls me up and she says, Jeff, you could sell water to an Eskimo. You know, like you could sell anything to anybody, ice to an Eskimo. I said that wrong. Okay, I get it. Okay. I get it. I know. You're all like, hey. I know. I can see the wheels turning really quick. Okay. And she called me up and she said, she said, Jeff, you've got to be able to take care of your family. She knew we were struggling. 
we were struggling. And she said, Jeff, I want to offer you a job. And she said, you're going to start at a base of $92,000, and then everything else on, is going to be on top of that this upcoming year. She goes, I promise you, you're going to walk out of this next year at probably 130, 140. I went home with dollar signs in my eyes, looked at my wife, and said, what do we do? And she said, not a chance. Not a chance. You call her up tomorrow and you turn that job down. So I was looking for some faithful people. Not faithful to money. Faithful to a seed. Amen? Verse 17. The servant that had two bags of silver went to work and earned two more bags. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called together everybody to give an account of the money that he had given him. So what is Matthew chapter 24 and 25 really talking about? It's talking about the second coming of Jesus. It's giving us a picture into what the second coming of Jesus is all about. Jesus is coming back. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back, okay? Jesus is coming back, okay? And Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to want to know, he's going to want to know, what have you done with your life? And isn't this the great struggle in church, right, between grace and works, right? We're always like, what is it, God? Is it grace? Are we saved by grace? Or are we saved by works? What is it? Where am I supposed to stand? It's both. It's both. Grace saves our soul. Grace brings us close to Jesus. Grace empowers us to overcome sin. Grace gives us the strength to not scream at our boss when we want to scream at him. You know what I mean? Grace empowers us in this life. Amen? But grace also empowers us to work hard for the Lord. Amen? To serve in his kingdom. To use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he has put in our souls for his greater good. Jesus is telling us something important here. He's saying, listen... I've entrusted talent, grace, time, energy, love into you. I've invested this church into you. I've invested into your life. But the question is this, do we see ourselves as stewards or owners? Because everything you have is from the Lord. Every breath you take is from the Lord. Everything you have in your home is from the Lord. And you are either a steward of what God gave you, or an owner of what God gave you. And then this makes this question very different in how you view and see life. Because a steward looks at Jesus and says, you've given to me, and now it is my honor to return back to you. You bless me with grace. You bless me with talent. You bless me with ability. You filled me with your grace. You made me righteous. You poured your love into me. And now everything I have is not for me, but for you. That's what a steward says. An owner says his possessions or her possessions, they're mine. Everything I have is mine. And I'll do what I want with what I have. If I want to give, I'll give. If I don't want to give, I won't give. If I want to serve, I will serve. If I don't want to serve, I won't serve. Time, energy, money, everything, it's mine. So Jesus is saying, listen, we're going to figure out in these last days, we're going to figure out before we go to this new promised land, who are stewards 
through our owners. Because God wants you to steward what he gives you. Listen, it, listen, it drives Gus nuts. Listen, Adam is wearing a pair of my jeans today. Are you not? Okay. All right. Listen, no, 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 no don't slap, you dork. Okay. Now, this will drive Gus nuts. I will, I will go to my closet, and the Lord will go, give that away, give that away, give that away, give that away, give that away. And I came down to the basement last night, Adam and Drew, and, and the guys are down there, and I go, here, here you go. And Adam is looking with eyes like it is Christmas morning, you know what I mean? He's like, the Lord has provided, amen, Jesus, you know what I mean? Why? It's not mine. Everything I have isn't mine. How many cars are we giving away? Like five? Four? I think four. 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 No, 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 I know it's four. Listen, I'm the one that gives them away, okay? I remember one time I was we were driving our only car we had, only car we had. We're driving, and it was a Mountaineer, Mercury Mountaineer, okay? This thing sucked gas, okay? I promise. It went about eight miles to every gallon, okay? I mean, I can't tell you how many times we ran out of gas. We were poor. We didn't have money to put in the gas tank. You know, you run in on fumes. And I'll never forget, we're driving this white Mercury Mountaineer, and I told Jess, the Lord told me we got to give the car away. And she said, well, what are we going to drive? And I was like, I don't know. The Lord told us to give the car away. It's not mine. It's all his. We're just a steward. Verse 20. The servant who had been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master, Jesus, make sure you understand. This is Jesus' response. He was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with handling small amounts. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Come, let's celebrate together. Right? But isn't it weird how we just kind of glaze over this portion? And really, this is really what Jesus is trying to give to us about his second coming. We think of the second coming of Christ that it's going to be like judgment. It's going to be doom upon the earth. And God's going to judge the earth. And God's going to judge people. And God's going, I don't want to judge anybody. I want to celebrate with people. I want people to find my grace. I want them to find my love. I want them to be encouraged. I want them to find who I am. And when I come back, I want it to be a celebration. Me and Ben were in a car today. We were talking about heaven on the way to church. I told them it's going to be the greatest party you've ever been to in your life. And his little eight-year-old brain, you know, is just spinning about, you know, like what kind of party? Is there going to be inflatables at the party? Is there going to be confetti at the party, you know? God wants to celebrate. That's why Jesus went to the cross. So we could have salvation in him. So that we could stand in perfect confidence knowing that he is for you. He's not against you. That he has made you righteous. And then you know what? You have an anticipation in your soul that I can't wait. I can't wait. Listen, I love my family. I love all of you. I love this church. But I cannot wait for the day Jesus comes back. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to go to heaven. This earth means nothing to me. I can't wait to be with Jesus every day of my life. And I have total peace and confidence about that. He wants to show you 
kept his goodness. Verse 22, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver. I invested it, and I've earned two times more. Verse 23, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small amounts. Look at your neighbor say, small amounts, small amounts, small amounts, okay? And now I will give you many more responsibilities. Come. Let's celebrate together. Can I just say one thing about when Jesus says, I'm going to give you many more responsibilities? Don't think of heaven as like floating beings that we're just going to be like, oh, 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 we're in God's presence. Ah, you know what I mean? No. What did Jesus say? He said he's going to come back to earth and reestablish heaven on earth. Jerusalem is his kingdom. That's why we support Israel. That's why we back Israel. That's why we pray for Israel. That's why we give to Israel in Jesus' name, okay? Yes, thank you, thank you. I know somebody like, oh, Israel, yeah. Listen, Jesus is going to reestablish the earth. We're going to have responsibilities in his new kingdom. Amen? We're going to work in the kingdom of God, just in heaven, just in peace and joy. Point number four, faithfulness. How does God view faithfulness, especially in the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus said this. That the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. What is God saying about the next season? The harvest is plentiful. We need a bigger barn. We need a bigger house. We need a bigger place because there's more people to reach. There's more people to grab. There's more people to bring into the kingdom of God. But I need more people to get my job done. Amen? So Jesus says this, and I've been in ministry for 16 years, and I've had a lot of these conversations. I've asked a lot of people. I've had a lot of these moments where you go to somebody and you go, hey, um, really need you to serve the tech. Hey, really need you to serve on the welcome team. Hey, really need you to help in the kids' ministry. Hey, really need you to help in dinner parties. Hey, really need you to help in this. And the response sometimes is, um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll get back to you on that. Why? Because our perspective is, well, what do I get out of this? Right? What, what do I get out of serving in the church? Am I going to get some kind of perk and Benny back, you know? I think it's so interesting. In 2018, I watch churches do this all the time. And, and I love it. Listen, we love honoring our volunteers. I mean, my man Josh and, and, and Preston today, I was loving on them this morning. I, listen, we love. This church does not exist without volunteers at all. But sometimes in church we have this perspective of like, okay, where's the blessing? When are you going to hook us up? When are you going to bless us? And the whole time God's going, no, 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 no. There's blessing in heaven. There's blessing in the kingdom to come. There's blessing if you'll just be faithful in this season, in this time. I just need you to be faithful in this time. So guess what? I just I need you to show up on time to serve. Can I get an amen? I need you to be faithful to my kingdom. I need you to shut your mouth and not complain about stuff. Can I get an amen? I need you 
to be passionate. You know, this happens all the time. People aren't passionate about certain areas they're serving in. And they'll go, well, that isn't even what God's called me to do. That's not even the ministry God's called me to do. Well, just be faithful in what God has called you to do and the opportunity that God gave you. You know what my first ministry opportunity was? I'll never forget, I was meeting with Jeannie Mayo. It was about 12.30 at night after a long Wednesday youth service. We had 1,500 kids in the youth group. She got done praying and talking with me at 12.30 at night, and then she got up. As I'm walking out, I realized that she starts picking up trash. 1,500 kids leave a lot of trash. And the Holy Spirit said, this is your ministry. You tell her to stop. You tell her to never do this again. You tell her that you got this. So I went down, and I called her mom because she was a spiritual mom to me. I said, Mom, you go home. I'm going to take care of this. And for the next two years, until God made me an intern, I did that every Wednesday night, picking up trash for Jeannie. Why? Because that was the ministry that God had given me at that moment. Listen, your gifts will always make a way. You never have to promote yourself in the kingdom of God. God will promote you at the very right time because your gifts will make a way. This is how the kingdom of God works. God's looking for people who will be faithful to go into the next season that he has in store. Now, I'm going to say this, okay? And I debated if I was going to talk about this because it's so touchy. But the Lord said, no, you talk about this. It's biblical. Listen, I'm not saying all, okay, and I don't want you to think about people. But sometimes there's sometimes there's people that are no longer a part of this church. Why? They couldn't handle practice grass. And what is the practice grass? coming up under me and Justin's authority. See, you might not like us. You might not like what we have to say. You might not like all the decisions that we make in the church. You might not like how we lead all the time. You might not like the songs that we pick. You might not like how we do a lot of things. But I sure do know this, that God anointed me and my wife and my family and has established us as the head of this church to lead us into the future and to help families find victory in life. Okay? So what happens sometimes? People come and they go, well, I don't want to be under your authority. I don't want to do what you have to say. I don't like what you're doing. And they start complaining. Oh, Jesus. I can't stand complaining. You know why? Because the Lord can't stand it. Complaining attitude. You want to complain about things all the time in the church. You want to complain, but you don't want to have the responsibility and the weight of what it takes to carry this house? No. The Lord says, I'm not going to have that. The Lord says, this isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way all the time. He says, this is my house. This is my church. I established this church. It will continue to move forward. It will continue to grow with you or without you. You're like, man. Listen, 
Read the Bible. There were some men that started talking bad about Moses. You know what God did? He opened up the earth and swallowed the men and the wives and the children. Look at the book of Daniel. What happened in the book of Daniel? The men that came against Daniel, God's anointed. What happened to them? God threw them in the pit. Again, whole family. Listen, do we not love people? We love people a hundred percent. Do we want you to have victory? A hundred percent. Do we want you to succeed in this life? A hundred percent. But sometimes you have to go, I'm going to submit to authority. This is the authority that God has put into my life, and it's only to help me succeed in this life. God is looking for those who will be faithful to his kingdom. I've got a video I want to show you. Go ahead and play the video. Last year, while we were attending Elevate, we attended regularly, but we weren't tithing regularly like we should be. And it was more we were just tithing when we could or when it added up on paper or when it made sense according to our bank account or our finances or our bills or whatever. And every week we kept hearing Pastor Jeff talk about the importance of tithing and the importance of giving God his money and advancing his kingdom. And every week Bruce and I would leave church and we would talk about how we wish we could do that or we want to do that, but we can't. We were really letting our situations control our lives and we weren't allowing God to control our lives. It was around last winter time and we continued to just see other people blessing other people and people blessing us and we really wanted to just be a part of that and just further God's kingdom and like Pastor Jeff says all the time to be blessed to be a blessing to others and it's something that was really on mine and Bruce's heart was that we just really wanted to be able to bless other people but we knew that we couldn't do that if we continued to allow earthly things and earthly conditions to control our finances. When we actually did start giving, uh, it didn't always add up to us. I remember sitting down and just doing the budget every week and trying to figure out how we could even do it. I was just thinking like I have all these bills for my family to feed and I just I knew it was right, and I, I did it anyway, and just took the step of faith, and we took the step of faith to just continue to give, and it was just really hard at first uh, to do it, but we kept continuing to do it, and then it seemed like it just opened up doors to us. Things have started happening that didn't make sense on our budget, to be honest. Um, I needed supposedly thousands and thousands of dollars of work done on my vehicle last year and then when we took it back to be serviced and we thought that we had to have all of these thousands of dollars, we had no idea how we were going to come up with it. Um, it turned out that it was about half of that is what the mechanic charged us um, when we got a second opinion and we were able to pay for that and I was able to get four brand new tires and we were able to pay for that in cash which is something Two years ago, we never would have been able to do something like that. And then we also had a vacation coming up, and 
uh, we were actually able to pay with that completely in cash. And I never thought that I would ever have a vacation paid fully in cash before. But I could just see that that was part of God's blessing to us for discontinuing a tithe. And uh, it just finally was all adding up. Ever since last uh, winter when we started tithing, I just, we both have seen God's just goodness and faithfulness to our family. God has blessed our lives in the last year in ways more than just financially. Um, our marriage is stronger. We're not constantly worried about the finances and things like that. I don't have to worry about our children or them being provided with the things that they need. It's such a comforting feeling to be able to rest in God's promises and rest in God's love that he will provide for our family. Amen. Give it up for Jesus, somebody. Come on. Why don't you stand up this morning? Verse 24 says, The servant with the one bag of silver came to the master. He said this, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you did not plant, gathering crops where you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Last point is this. Fear will always rob, steal, and cheat what God's trying to do in your life. Fear. Fear. You'll go, I don't know how we can tithe. You just do it because the Lord tells us to. You go, I don't know how we're going to serve. I don't know if we have time. You just do it. You just go, God, I'm going to be faithful to your kingdom. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to allow fear and doubt to rob what you're doing in my life. But the master replied in verse 26, he said, you wicked, lazy servant, I knew, if you knew that I harvested crops where I did not plant and gathered crops where I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least you could have gotten some interest on it. Verse 28, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags. Hmm. You know what God does with faithful? He just keeps going, okay, here's more, here's more, here's more, here's more, here's more. You're faithful, I can trust you. You're a good steward, here's more, here's more, here's more. Verse 29, to those who use well what has been given to them, even more will be given. Doesn't that frustrate you in life sometimes where you're like, why does that person seem to get more and more and more and more and more? Lord is just using that to frustrate you because he's like, because if you would just trust me, if you just believe in me, if you would just use my word, if you would just stand in obedience, I would do the same thing. I am no respecter of person. What I've done in somebody else's life, I'll do in your life. I have everything you need in abundance and more. Why? Because this is the word of God. It says this, and they will have an abundance, an abundance. What did Deuteronomy say? You will be the head and not the tail. Amen? You will be blessed to be a blessing. Amen? This is the life that God has for us. But the reality is this. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we get focused on life. Sometimes we get focused on things we shouldn't be focused on. And the whole time the Lord's going, I love you. I love you. I love you. So now here's the deal. Everybody look at me. I know that today you are probably feeling 
some level of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Right? I want you to understand that that's God's grace on your life. See, we think conviction when the Holy Spirit goes, hey, I want to change your attitude. I want to change your mouth. I want to change your perspective. I want you to change your finances. I want you to change this. We think that God's mad at us. And it's not true at all. God 100% is going, I love you. I'm for you. I want to get more to you. So I'm going to challenge you in this arena of your life so that I can bring more to you so that you become a faithful servant in my kingdom. Amen. God is never angry. He is never frustrated. He wants nothing but the best for you and for your home. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. The question to the Lord today is, what is the practice grass in my life? What is the practice grass in my life? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to my heart? What are you trying to communicate to me on a daily? And I'm just kind of ignoring it. What is the practice grass? Lord, show it to me. Reveal it to me. Surrendered hearts. Surrendered hearts.